Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. We've been talking about the marks of a healthy church during the past few broadcasts, and this is such a vital discussion to be having. One of the things I want to make sure our listeners hear is that we are not talking about some sort of ecclesiastical elitism. Uh, We recognize that there's no such thing as a perfect church. There are only imperfect churches. But by studying the marks of the church, we can help distinguish between those churches that are more healthy, albeit imperfect, from those that are more sickly. The Westminster Confession of Faith says it like this, quote, And particular churches are more or less pure according as the doctrine of the gospel was taught and embraced and ordinances administered, end quote. So that's what we're talking about today. The ordinances of the, of the church or the sacraments of the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So let's start here. Brothers, why do the practice of these ordinances determine or can determine the health or unhealth of a particular local church? Uh, part of what we have to do is is look at the origin of, of these you know, marks of the true church that, that grew out of the Reformation. First, the preaching of the word, then the right administration, faithful preaching of the word, right administration of the sacraments, and then uh, biblical church discipline. And of course, today we're focusing on uh, the ordinances, uh, the um, sacraments, uh, which uh, for Reformed churches, Protestant churches, that's... Um, the Lord's Supper, and baptism. And part of this is just historically grounded because the, his, the Reformers were looking at, all right, where did the Roman Church go wrong? And they saw that particularly in the sacraments, um, that, uh, that the Roman Church had, had taken an extra-biblical and even unbiblical direction with the administration of the sacraments, that the, uh, the Lord's Supper had been morphed into this uh, uh, transubstantiation uh, thing that uh, it, it was a, a re, as if the belief was that Jesus was being re-sacrificed in the action of the priest in the administration of the supper, that the sacrifice of Christ was it happens every time. Um that the and bread turns into the, the body the, of Christ. The, the bread turns into the body, and the the wine turns into the, literally into the blood of Christ. Transubstantiation, and that and that in that action, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is repeated. Um, and then uh, baptism had just become a. Uh, and, and by the way, let me back up. Uh, that is false. The, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, cross was once for all. It is completed on the cross. Um, and there were and, there were reformers who were willing to be burned over this issue. That's right, and uh, and, and and baptism had just become kind of a uh, um, 
auto, automatic thing. Okay, you're born in a Christian nation, uh, you're baptized. And uh, the the meaning that that the that the Word of God gives to baptism, and I'm thinking particularly of the sixth chapter of Romans, that to be baptized is to uh, we we have died with Christ, we are raised up with Christ. Um, so the reformers were were looking at at where the Roman Church had gone wrong, and that's why they said that these marks, that the right administration of the sacraments is going to be a mark of a truly biblical and uh, reformed church that that is under the authority of the Word of God. I think it, when you're dealing with the sacraments of a church and their administration of those sacraments, I think the fundamental question that you need to ask is, what are they pointing to? Mm-hmm. And both of them are to point to the person and work of Jesus Christ. They're supposed to point to the gospel. And so if the sacrament becomes about the person involved, if it's about your experience of baptism or your experience of the Lord's Supper, then you flipped it. The experience of the church is to glorify God. That, by the way, that's another expression of individualism. It is. Yes. Um, the... Phil is going to think for a moment. Yeah, <laughs> Phil, 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 Phil had a brain freeze. Sorry, I, so, I, had, I had a thought and it just floated away. But it's interesting when I'm in conversations with people about the different sacraments. Um, sometimes they'll they'll say things that express kind of an underlying belief system that that's a little bit concerning for me. Um, when we practice baptism, when we practice Lord's Supper, we want to point to Jesus Christ. We want Him to receive glory. We want him to be um, what those moments are about. Um, mm-hmm. And so sometimes when you hear people talk about either baptism or the Lord's Supper, you'll hear them use phraseologies that just are a little bit revealing. They'll say, well, my baptism was so meaningful for me. I'm like, wait, was your baptism about you? Or was it about the gospel? Mm-hmm. Was it about the glory of Christ? Was it about the person and work of Jesus Christ in the hearts and lives of his people? Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't like how they do the Lord's Supper because um, it doesn't allow me to do this, that, and the other thing. Well, wait a yeah. minute. Yeah. Is the Lord's Supper about you? It's for you in the fact that the Lord has graciously given it to strengthen your faith. Yeah. But it's not about you. Yeah. And you can see this um, unhealthy practice of the Lord's Supper in the book of 1 Corinthians Mm -hmm. when they were very much making it about themselves and discipline fell down. I mean, you were talking about Ananias and Sapphira the other day. Uh, That's not the first time that people died in the New Testament because of God's judgment. God was also causing people to be sick in Corinth and even for some of them to die because the Lord's Supper was taken wrongly. Um, and why? Because they were making it about themselves. And Paul specifically says at the end of 1 Corinthians 11, this is why some of you have gotten sick and have fallen asleep because you have not judged yourself. And so God is judging you lest you be judged with the rest of the world. I, I've been asked, for instance, um, a couple of times in my career as a pastor, I've been asked by a young couple when I was doing their wedding, uh, would I... Could they, as a, as a part of their marriage ceremony, could they take the Lord's Supper? Because, and, and the reason being, 
that that would bind us together. And my response is, and when and usually they're usually they're thinking they're, they're thinking this or they've got this thought in their head. Maybe, maybe, perhaps they've seen it done at a Roman Catholic church, where it's part of the marriage ceremony. Um, and my response is, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is not to bind you two, to, to do something for you two. Um, it, it's, an, it's an enactment of what Christ has done for us, and it belongs to the whole church. And if, if we do it, it's, it's, it's got to be offered to the, to the gathered body of Christ. And we've got to be really clear that the purpose of it is not to cement your marriage vows. Because that's not that's not what the Lord's Supper is for. We're we're not to use it in some utilitarian way or to get some feeling or to um, it, it's to give honor and glory to, to Christ. It is um, a good way to think about it. Uh, the sacraments, the 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 preaching of the word is you know the, the the proclamation of the word in human words in human language. The sacraments, the Lord's Supper and uh, Baptism are the word enacted, so that you can see it. You can you can you can literally taste it. Yeah. Um, and and it, and it is to enact the word, and particularly the heart of the word, which is what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, one thing, real quick. I think one thing that's really helpful about the sacraments also um, is. So I'm just amplifying what you're saying. It they're discriminatory. Which means, you know, you just heard the word preached and the word has opened up, you know, the kingdom of heaven for those who will believe and it's shut the door of the kingdom of heaven for those who do not believe. But then the sacraments, the sacraments emphasize that point. Why? Because not everybody's allowed to take the sacraments. Just this last Sunday, uh, we made it very clear that, you know, this, this sacrament of the Lord's Supper is for baptized believers only. If you've not been born again, you're not welcome to the supper. And a a congregant came up to me afterwards uh, who had a grandson there. And he said, Hey, grandpa, can I take uh, the Lord's Supper? And my, and, and he said, no, you can't because you're not, you're not born again yet. You haven't professed faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. And that helped cement the gospel yes. to this young man. That type of exclusion is actually good. It's actually a gift. Yes, absolutely. There's there's words that I use every time we we gather for the Lord's Supper. The traditional word for this, by the way, term is fencing the table, which perhaps to those who don't understand it, that sounds offensive. Do you, do you mean you're putting a fence around the Lord's table? Doesn't Jesus welcome all? Yes, absolutely. Jesus welcomes everyone who will come. Come, confess your faith, be baptized, and then you are a part of the body of Christ and you are welcome at his table. But until then, this is the family meal of the people of God. Yeah. I, I, there's words that I say every, every time we have the Lord's Supper. That the table is the extent the the invitation is extended to all baptized believers. If you are truly sorry for your sin today, and you're resolved to lead a new life by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you are welcome to come to Christ's table. And it's a family family meal. I grew up in a in a church that largely was a, a solid church, but our practice of the Lord's Supper. Now that I'm a, an adult. Looking back on it, just just makes me cringe a little bit. So they would prepare the table; it'd be up front. The pastor would read the a passage from First Corinthians about the Lord's Supper, and then he would say, um, "The table is now open. 
take some time in your pew to pray and and reflect and 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 then whenever you feel led just come up to the table and so then it would just be opened up for the next 15 minutes where and then he would mm-hmm. off, say you know up front is we had a, a large um, platform up front so a large area of stairs going up to the, the the platform and he would say come up and and kneel and pray and and prepare your heart and and it was entirely individualistic yeah yeah and was it a meaningful spiritual experience yes mm-hmm. extremely mir- meaningful it, it it was you know i i look back almost with fond memories of how um much i got out of the experience but even listen to my language what i got out of the experience it was yeah. about me it was yeah, about right. my individual um communion with with god and the whole point of the lord's supper and what they were criticized in in corinth was you made this about you yes right you're coming as an individual and the point of right. the lord's supper is we come as a body well we call it communion communion common union yep. yeah we are yes. members of the same body yes and it's just so easy to make not just church about us but the the all aspects of church even those things that are supposed to be about the person of Jesus Christ yeah. we can turn them and, and so mm-hmm. subtly make them about my experience yes and my experience i hate to say this too strongly but really doesn't matter that much mm-hmm. well and that one particularly perhaps applies to to baptism in my tradition we we practice infant baptism and i've had people come to me and and say you know phil i was baptized as an infant and that doesn't mean anything to me and i want to say i'm too i'm too much of a pastor to say it but i'll i want to say so what so what it doesn't so what you don't remember it uh and i'll I'll, I'll communicate. Did it change the meaning of it? I, I will communicate. I will communicate something similar to that in, in less harsh way. Yeah. Uh, but it's not about you. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope you tune in next time as we continue this series on the marks of the church. 